Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. This episode contains stories of vehicle-related deaths. I was on a video call with my friend Elle over a month ago. I was updating her on our new house purchase, among other things. Her husband, Alduin, then came into the room, and Elle shared the news of my new house with him. He gave his congratulations, but then immediately said, There's an issue to the left of the house, on the roof. There's something wrong, so just make sure you have them double-check it. I paused, a little taken aback by the information. He followed up with, you're fixing the roof, right? Which we were, but he didn't know that. He literally just found out about my house moments ago. I already knew Aldwin was a powerful intuitive, but I was still very surprised. I said, yes, we have workers starting soon. He repeated, there's something on the left side of the house that needs to be double-checked. Just be adamant that they do because they won't. I texted my realtor, aka my sister, about the exchange, and then I sort of forgot about it. I thought I'd sound like an absolute weirdo if I called the roofer and told him that, especially since he was already annoyed with us for being a little paranoid. A week or so went by, and then I got a text from my sister, Apparently, some of the plywood on the roof had fallen onto the ground and into the neighbor's property, blocking their front door and smashing the fence down. Luckily, no one got hurt, but our neighbors were pissed, rightfully so, and we were incredibly embarrassed. We didn't want this to be our first impression with them, so we tried to get the workers to the house ASAP to clean up the mess. After the chaos had settled, I had a realization. The plywood fell from the left side of the house. Is that what Alduin was warning about? And if I had mentioned that to the roofer, would that have prevented anything? Knowing what happens before it happens is impossible. But then why does it happen so frequently? Sometimes people are able to tap into the future. Other times they know what's happening right now, miles away. I receive so many emails from people who have their own wild moments of knowing something they could not have known. I want to share them with you today so that you can see just how common this phenomenon is and the various ways it can happen. So maybe you won't write off that next coincidence right away. First, I tell the tale of a girl who had a disturbing dream. Then, I narrate the peculiar experience of a woman who sensed something happened to her husband. Next, I share the story of a girl who predicted something completely by accident. 
Then, I read the unsettling experience of a boy and his sister who narrowly escaped death thanks to his sister's intuition. And finally, I tell the tale of a woman who saw her deceased friend multiple times before her funeral. Chapter 1. I Predicted a Murder. Submitted by Angelica. Hey, Sapphire. I'm Angelica from Boston. I've been listening to your podcast. I absolutely love it, by the way. And I can't recall the episode, but I heard someone talk about a premonition, and I wanted to share mine with you. I was about 12 years old, in sixth grade, when I had this very vivid dream that I can still remember today like it was yesterday— I was at an old outside basketball court and the world in my dream seemed empty and was tinted like a rusty orange. It was kind of creepy. It was also wet as if it just rained. I was looking towards this broken down bridge in the middle of where I was and saw a huge floating TV in the middle of the sky or slightly above that bridge. Then I saw people walking sluggishly around this empty space on and towards the bridge and looked at the TV, as if they were waiting for it to show something. The TV turned on, and it showed a picture of my mother and said, 34-year-old woman, manslaughter. It kept repeating that over and over. I was terrified because why would I dream about my mother being murdered? The next day, I told my mom about the dream, and she obviously didn't like it too much, so she told me to talk to my grandmother about it. I did, and she told me that most dreams don't correlate with real life, and to not worry about mom. I was still a little shaken, but appreciated the comfort of my grandmother's words. Then I was in my first period, and I heard yelling and crying in the hallway. Everyone, including my teacher, went to the door to see what was happening, and there was a girl named India in the hallway, crying hysterically. I heard her teacher say, It'll be okay. I'm so sorry for your loss, sweetie. So someone passed away, but who? I asked a girl in the hallway, Who passed? And the girl said, Her mother. It's sad because she was so young. I asked, How old? She replied, only 34. My heart dropped because of the dream I had last night. Someone's mother, who was 34, passed away, and that is literally what was announced in my dream, but with my own mother. It felt like my fault, in a way. I told my teacher I felt sick and left to call my grandmother. I told her what happened and she was just as shook as I was, and told me that I have a gift. But it didn't seem like a gift to me at the time. The spirit world sometimes speaks in symbols. Because it wasn't India's mother in the dream, many people might say, this is just a coincidence. But Angelica doesn't know India's mother. So her dream showed her a mother figure that she knew. Angelica was able to more deeply empathize with what India was going through 
because she felt what it was like to receive the news of her mother's passing, in a way. I don't think she could have prevented it from happening. But what she could do was offer comfort to India. And I believe that is a gift. Chapter 2. My Grandma Knew Something Was Wrong. Submitted by Anonymous. This was told to me by my grandma, Paige. She and my grandpa, Fred, had gotten married and started their new lives together. It was around the 1900s, a little before World War II. Paige and Fred had settled in their new house just before Fred had to leave for work. He was a miner back then and had a good job in Colorado. He'd go out during the day, then come home at night. Sometimes his times changed. Sometimes he'd have to stay at a hotel near his work if he was working extra late. Paige wasn't too worried since she knew how tough her husband was and smart enough to get himself out of anything. But she couldn't help but feel a little worried sometimes when he didn't come home when he was supposed to. One day, she watched him leave after saying goodbye, then carried on as usual. Went to work, came home, tended to the house, and made some meals. It was one of those nights when Fred would not be home, so she knew she'd be sleeping alone again. Around 3 a.m., Paige woke up after hearing the door open, then shut. She heard Fred calling her name. She got up and walked out to greet him. But when she got to the door, no one was there. Even the door looked like it hadn't been opened. He'd usually come in with a bit of mud on the floor from his boots. But no mud marks. Paige was skeptical and figured it was her imagination. She went back to bed. The morning came and she was up and ready for the day. She was making breakfast when Fred returned from work. Paige went over to greet him, and that's when she saw his hand. It was bandaged up and looked a bit swollen. Fred told her that while he was working, his hand got hit pretty bad by a heavy rock that almost mangled his fingers. Luckily, it didn't hit too hard. He also said that right before it happened, he was checking the time to see how long he had left till his shift was over. It was around 3 a.m. Another story she told to me was of her sister, my Aunt Kelly. She was married for a long time to my uncle. One night, she woke up to the sound of her name being called out by my uncle's voice. She got up to check but, just like my grandma, didn't see anyone in the house. She checked the clock and it read 4 a.m., too early to get up, so she went back to bed. Later the next day, around noon, she got a call from the police. My uncle was in a horrible car accident and had died on the spot. Time of death, 4 a.m. Have you ever known who was calling before answering your phone or just had a bad feeling that a friend or family member was in danger? Intuition tends to be more powerful between people who have a close relationship, which is why you've probably heard of mother's intuition or twin telepathy. It sounds like Paige and Kelly were very attuned to their gifts and they could feel their husbands calling out to them when they needed them. Being energetically connected to the people we love the most literally gives us superpowers. How amazing is that? 
Chapter 3. I Accidentally Prepared for My Dad's Death. Submitted by Shine. Hi, Ate. My name is Charlene, but my friends call me Shine. My story is about how I think I somehow predicted my father's death. I grew up with my dad. He was a really fun man. In the Philippines, it was normal to whip your kids when they acted out, but my dad was different. I don't recall him ever scolding me or my sister. He was just that kind of father. Cool. Our best friend. In late July of 2014, he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. I didn't cry. I was in a state of shock. I couldn't even comprehend what it meant. I just knew that he was sick and needed to rest. I didn't think he would actually be taken from us. The doctors told him he didn't have that much time left. Maybe a year. They told us to spend time with him for as long as we could. It was devastating, but he was a fighter. He fought even if his body no longer could. He stayed with us for another three years, and we watched his body gradually deteriorate. 2017 is when we decided to visit him in the province of Nueva Ecija, his hometown. He didn't want to be a burden. That's why he decided to let his family take care of him rather than staying on my mom's side. My mom had just come home from abroad, and after a couple of days, we planned on visiting him. For some reason, I had picked out a black blouse, a black pair of jeans, and black sunglasses. When my mom saw me, she jokingly asked if I was going to a funeral. I laughed. On our way, I was excited because I was going to see him again. But then we got a text from his niece. He had just passed while we were on the way. I still didn't cry, even when we got there and I saw him inside that box. I was close with my dad, and maybe that was my coping mechanism, still processing what was happening. We left the day after, and even a few days later, I still shed no tear. And then I dreamt about him. He told me how proud he was of us, told us how much he loved us, and will always be by our side. I woke up sobbing. My chest was throbbing from all the suppressed emotions. I know this isn't creepy or haunting, but it was still a baffling coincidence. Maybe I subconsciously knew I was headed to a funeral, even if consciously I was still suppressing reality. There was no such thing as random in the spiritual world, even with something as seemingly simple as picking out an outfit. When we choose what to wear, we are, in a sense, choosing a vibration to wear. When I feel happy or want to attract happiness, I wear yellow. When I feel calm or want to feel more calm, I wear browns and earth tones. What we wear reflects what we want to amplify into the world— or what we want to bring in. Black is not just the color of mourning and death. In color magic, it's the color of energetic protection. Maybe Shine, without realizing it, was protecting herself that day for the emotional journey that was ahead of her. 
Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 4. My Sister Saved Us. Submitted by Ralph. When I was 12, me and my 16-year-old sister were asked by our mom to go to the grocery store to buy some items we needed to make lasagna. It was my dad's birthday, and she had her hands full with all the baking and decorating. Since we didn't own a car and my sister did not know how to drive, we decided to take the bus in the town center. I changed to a clean white shirt, jean shorts, and a pair of sandals since we were in a hurry, and she was bugging me to prepare early since I also needed to help her cook the lasagna after shopping. I ran downstairs and saw my sister in the living room. Shall we go? I said to her. She replied, I actually don't feel like I'm in the mood to go grocery shopping today. What? But you just said you want to finish shopping early so we could start making the lasagna right away. I don't know. I just don't feel like going anymore. Can we stay here for a while and see if I change my mind? I sighed in annoyance. Fine. I'll wait. But we're still going. She seemed low energy. She said she felt heavy. Around two o'clock, we had already finished the entire Titanic movie, and our mom came downstairs with the folded tablecloth. I thought you two were leaving. It's already two o'clock. Jane says she's not in the mood to go. Jane, your dad is going to come home soon and you have to go now. Just a minute, Jane replied. It was so confusing. I thought at first she was just being lazy. Usually when that's the case, she would play games on her phone all day. But she hadn't pulled her phone out once. She looked tired and not in the mood to do anything. I'd never seen her like this before. I knew I had to do something or mom would get mad at us and we'd never hear the end of it. I somehow finally persuaded her to go and almost like a switch went off, she said that she was ready. And we finally walked to the bus station. 
When we got there, we saw one bus that only needed two passengers in order for them to leave, and I said we should catch that bus so we could save more time. She pulled me back and said, Wait, can we at least just wait for the next bus to stop by? I really don't feel like going just yet. Since she was older than me, I just agreed to her request, but I was so unbelievably frustrated with her. We stepped back, and two men got on that bus instead. One was wearing a bright neon green shirt, while the other was in a plaid suit. I could never forget those outfits. I watched in annoyance as that bus took off without us. When the next bus came, I heaved a loud sigh and said, finally, I was so close to losing it. It took five to six minutes to fill the entire bus we were on, and then finally we were off. I was also happy that the bus we were riding was running at a faster rate. We live in a third world country, and believe me when I say there was no speed limit, even in public transports, but I was happy because at least we could get to the city on time. It was so fast that it felt like the houses that we passed by were in slow motion. But then the bus slowed down. Blue and red lights were tailing behind us. It was an ambulance, fire truck, and police cars. The bus gave way for them to pass. But now, we were stuck in slow-moving traffic. I was losing my patience, but I bottled it up and composed myself. As we waited for the bus to pass through the traffic jam... People inside started to mumble. Some even reacted in shock and fear. They were all staring at the left side of the bus. So I did the same. What I saw shook me to my core. There were the remains of the previous bus that I was in a rush to get onto. Lifeless bodies scattered around a pool of blood. It was so bad that the bus itself looked like it was straight out of the scrapyard. And I know it was the previous bus because I saw the bright neon shirt and plaid suit now scattered and splattered on the road. When we got to the grocery store, my sister and I could not stop talking about it. We continued shopping, but when we got into the meat section, our stomach turned. The ground beef, cutlets of chicken, and ham hock reminded us of what we saw. We later learned that the accident happened because the bus driver tried to overtake a speeding 10-wheeler truck, and they ended up crashing into each other. No one survived that accident, not even the truck driver. My sister, having that out-of-character dilemma, saved us from that gory incident. That's why, now, every time she feels like she's having second thoughts of going somewhere, I listen to her. I don't care how long she makes me wait. I'm fascinated by stories like this, and I've heard many like it. These stories always bring up so many questions for me. Does Jane getting that feeling mean that the accident was predetermined? And why were Jean and her brother the ones spared? We are all probably avoiding danger more often than we think. We just hear about the ones that involve big events. How many times have you had an inexplicable feeling about something and chose not to act on it, only to later wish that you had?
Chapter 5 The Dreams I Had Before Her Funeral Submitted by Rainy Hi Sapphire. First off, let me just say I love Ghost Town Terror and Paranormal Caught on Camera. I have a question that I never got the answer to, and I'm still wondering the meaning of these very vivid dreams. On December 29, 2010, a friend of mine named Cassandra was coming home from the next town over, about seven miles away. It was about 6 p.m. and she was speeding because she and her husband had a fight and she was angry. She was going 90 miles an hour, saw the speed limit sign for 50, and hit the brakes. When she did, she lost control of her car and flew out the windshield and landed on the opposite side of the highway, with her car first landing on her, then into the ditch. I was on the road that night. I had driven right past the emergency lights and had no idea it was her until an hour or so later. I was in complete shock and speechless when I found out, crying uncontrollably. It was a terrible car accident. Her body was taken down five hours away to Minneapolis for the autopsy. She already had a small sign for her in the cemetery next to her sister, who passed away when she was younger. I remember the snow being so deep and going up to my thighs, but I kept pushing through to place these fake pink flowers next to her sign. That night, I dreamt of this pure white place and an old man who was bald with hair around the side of his head, who I didn't recognize, and Cassandra was in the background talking to someone, but her back was towards me. It was weird because it almost felt like she didn't want me to see her face yet. And then the old man said, she appreciated the flowers, and I woke up in a sweat, crying. Then, the next night, she was in my dream again, except me, my sister, and Cassandra's sister were standing in the church where her funeral was held. She was in her coffin, but she was lying on her stomach, and her head was facing not out to the people, but towards the inside of her coffin. And then she kind of crawled out and came up to her sister, me and my sister, and each of us were hugging her and crying. But then her sister said, be careful hugging her. She broke her back. Then I woke up. And in the third dream I had about her before her funeral, she looked absolutely beautiful. Her hair was down and straightened, and her makeup was done, even though she was naturally stunning and didn't need it. She and I were standing on the highway where her accident was, and she was pointing into the grassy median and telling me, this is where I crashed and landed. Here's where the car landed on me before going into the ditch. As she was pointing at the same spots where she did actually pass away, I wanted to ask her so many questions, but instead I just cried and asked her to come back. But she was smiling and said she was okay now. And then I woke up. Then on the day of her wake, my sister and I walked into the church and greeted Cassandra's sister. She walked us down the aisle, and our breathing quickened as we got closer to the coffin. When we got there, we all just stared in disbelief. I couldn't believe she was right in front of me, in a coffin. 
I stared at her chest, waiting, hoping for her to breathe and thinking this was a nightmare. But it wasn't. This was very real. Cassandra's sister pointed at her sister's forehead and said that they put a plate in there to form it because it was completely shattered when she landed face first on the highway. I hadn't known that. And then it made sense that in my first dream, she wouldn't show me her face. My knees became weak and I had to excuse myself. On my way out, Cassandra's mom gave me the biggest hug. You and your sister are lucky to have each other. Don't take anything for granted, she said. Cassandra's funeral the next day was as full as it could be. There was not a dry eye in sight. The last thing I remember at the funeral was her husband sitting with their kids, who were two and five at the time, and Cassandra's mom next to them. Sorry for the long, detailed email, but my question is, why me? Out of all the people who knew her and loved her, why did she come to me with unforgettable, very real details? Don't get me wrong, I felt blessed, but I just never figured out why. I do have a couple theories as to why you saw your friend multiple times in your dreams. The first is that you are highly intuitive. You were on the right frequency, so to speak, to receive Cassandra's messages. And if you watch a lot of paranormal TV, I think it's safe to assume that you're very open to the paranormal. And maybe Cassandra knew that you wouldn't just write these dreams off as dreams, but you'd understand that she was there with you. In the third dream, Cassandra told you that she was okay now. Perhaps she felt you really needed to hear that. As you already know, there are no definitive answers in the paranormal. You'll never know exactly why she appeared in your dreams, but you do know that you had a very special and affirming experience, something many people don't get in a lifetime. And personally, I think that's more than enough. Last December, I got really interested in candle magic. I've always loved candles and figured instead of buying so many, why not learn how to make my own? Then for Christmas, I made custom magic candles for all my friends and family. I personalized each one for what they wished for in 2022 and scented them with lavender and sandalwood. Over the next few months, I kept getting these random whiffs of candle smoke. I light candles often and assumed it was just me smelling my own candles, but I would get the whiff even when I was in parts of my house where I hadn't lit anything. I have a group chat with some friends and family who are all working on our spiritual development. It's sort of like a support group, and I decided to share this strange happening with them. My friend Ian, whom I made a candle for, theorized that maybe I was smelling whenever someone lit a candle I made. So I decided that whenever I smelled something, I would message the chat, just to see. The next time I got a whiff, I messaged the chat, and Ian replied, No way. I literally just lit your candle. 
Psychic abilities are superpowers that are available to everybody. It's a skill like any other that can be learned and nourished. I began my own journey because I wanted to be my own proof. Developing these skills doesn't mean you need to go out and solve murders or do readings for a living. A powerful intuition can create stronger bonds between you and your loved ones. It can keep you safe and protected. Why wouldn't you want that superpower? Thanks for joining me today. Have you ever known the unknowable? Send me an email at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash sapphiresandalo where I post animated spooky stories and more. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sindalo. Music written by Sapphire Sindalo. Special thanks to Angelica, Shine, Ralph, and Rainy. For more information on this episode, visit storieswithsapphire.com. <laughs>